0: You're listening to Inside Outside Innovation with Santi Ramesh and our host, Brian Ardinger. Santi, who's speaking at the back end of Innovation Conference, has worked for years with Colgate in strategic innovation and is now with Hershey's as a global lead with snacks, refreshments, and futures. Santi and Brian talked about what it takes to launch a product in an emerging market and how to accommodate for all the cultural differences that come with operating in a different country. Hi there everyone, I'm Victory Clafter, the producer of Inside Outside Innovation. This is the podcast that brings you the latest insights from people who know the most about building lean businesses, innovating within corporations, and disrupting entire industries with passion and precision.
1: So why don't we start um, with your experience most recently in in Hershey's. Obviously, Hershey's is a longstanding company in a, in a traditional market, uh, you know, the food industry, packaged goods and things along those lines. So how do you innovate in a company that's been around forever and in, in a product c- category that's that's been around forever?
2: So one of the benefits that we as, have as a company is the Hershey brand. It's an iconic brand, very well-known, premium and trusted. And with a huge market leadership in the U.S., the opportunity for us is to gain scale globally and expand the brand into new markets, to grow the brand and build the business. So markets like China, India, Mexico, and Brazil. The trust and premiumness of the brand uh, is uh, huge in those markets. And uh, we have an opportunity to tap into the uh, growing uh, population, as well as uh, the need for indulgence in those markets.
1: So when you think about innovation, do you think primarily about product innovation or marketing innovation? or What are some of the things that you try to tackle to kind of tackle these markets?
2: It is both. I would say first is about brand innovation, then comes the product, and then the gold market. So I believe in innovation beyond product. It is in everything we do. Uh, it is also in terms of process. Uh, in terms of how we engage with people, who we tap into, uh, everything has to be customized based on the local needs, and we adapt the process accordingly.
1: So, so can you give me an example of, of one of these particular case studies or something that you're pretty proud of uh, in, in launching a new new product or new, new innovation into a new market?
2: Absolutely. I'll take the uh, example of Hershey Syrup. We have a market leadership of 75% in the US, and everybody knows about Hershey Syrup, right? Who doesn't enjoy it? Oh, absolutely.
1: Uh, it's very
2: iconic. <laughs> Kids love it, right? So, uh, Hershey Syrup is not known globally. And so, I will talk about how we have been able to customize the product, the brand application, and uh, the go to market uh, or execution globally in China, India, and Mexico. So, uh, for example, the first thing that we did uh, with Syrup is to make sure that the Hershey's brand was acceptable and what it meant in the various countries. So, what it means in China is different from what it means in India and Mexico. Uh, but they had some commonalities too. Uh, so, the good news was everybody perceived Hershey to be a trusted brand, a premium brand, and a brand that They would love to give their kids. The other similarity is that just like here in the U.S., moms want their kids to drink milk, and kids hate drinking milk, so (laughs) adding chocolate was a way to get them to enjoy the milk. The mom feels happier and satisfied because she's giving something healthy, but something the kids will enjoy, and the kids... Giving them nutrition is much easier by just adding a little bit of chocolate. And that is a little bit of love. And that is a universal truth that is consistent across all countries. Now, Hershey's is not a brand that is known at all to anybody in China or India or Mexico. So we had to do a lot of brand building. So we customized a brand name in China called Hao Shi, uh, which means, fortunately for us, happiness, which is what the Hershey brand stood for. Uh, So we had to slightly change the name so that it's easy to pronounce. And Haushu is the way we market the brand in China. And in India, it is traditional Hershey. In India, Hershey is known as a trusted brand, and same thing in Mexico. So that is on the brand side. Now, on the product side, um, the taste profile had to be adapted because the taste profile in the U.S. is different from that of China and India and Mexico. India and Mexico, fortunately for us, we had similar taste profiles. We customized the product, and we were able to use the same product formula across India and Mexico. Mm -hmm. China's taste profile, they like a lesser, sweeter product, so we had to adapt the sweetness content. Uh, And also from a cost standpoint, uh, the ingredients are uh, different and uh, had to be procured locally in order to meet the cost standards. So, from a product formulation, we had adapted as well. Any questions so far? Before I get into packaging and marketing,
1: yeah. So, so what are some of the techniques when you when you say you've got to adapt this? Like, are, are it's a lot of kind of consumer market studies or, or focus groups, or how do you kind of get into the nitty gritty of, of how do you know if you're on the right track?
2: Sure, we were able to conduct ethnography similar to what we do in the US, but there is a difference uh, in it in terms of identifying the right target consumer in China and India is a little bit more challenging. We can't just apply a demographic criteria and expect that to be met. We have to be more careful about who we select in their ability to articulate, in their ability to make sure that we have, they will be able to buy the product. We'll have to be more careful about it. But Ethnographies is what we used, mm-hmm. and when we do the ethnographies, I was very particular that we don't speak, but we more observe. Mm-hmm. Observation is key rather than asking the questions. So those are some techniques that we did to understand the why, understand the why uh, behind the usage. The other technique that we did is when we had sessions with the local markets, even brainstorming sessions. The tendency in these markets is for them to speak in English whenever a person from the U.S. comes in mm. or when the global team comes in. So encouraging them to speak in the local language because it is not a literal translation. Not everything in Chinese that is Mandarin or Indian language or in Mexican language uh, can be literally translated word for word to English. Right. So Even when we go on these ethnographies, we need to be careful about the choice of words and what that means and how we interpret it.
1: So uh, what kind of struggles or, or obstacles do you have to overcome in these particular situations? What are the biggest things that you really have to watch out for if you're looking at moving a new innovation into a different market?
2: One of the biggest challenges is the cultural assumptions that go into it. Um, So, when we work with our partners in China and India, we need to be careful that the team members are not highlighting those initiatives which they assume that the global partners are interested in, versus really explaining the realities of the market. Uh, It's a very hierarchical culture. So... I have taken great pains to make sure that I listen to the people on the ground versus just listening to the management and ensuring also that the people on the ground are not filtering the choice of words based on what they would assume they expect management to hear. Um, So it is making sure that we truly listen to what is being said and what is not being said uh, in order to extract true potential and the true opportunity uh is very, very key
1: yeah, I think that's so important, you know obviously getting out of the building and actually getting for face to face with real customers. I think a lot of times bigger corporations it's tough for them to innovate because they have these filters or or layers uh you know and innovation for a new product you know is based on you know the inputs from the what the sales people say they need and that versus actually going out and talking to customers and understanding what the true pain points are from there.
2: Absolutely. And also execution on the, on the shelf is very critical. So it is not a one-for-one one, uh, execution in the market. So, for example, there is even though there is a growth of uh, modern trade retailers like Walmart and Carrefour, bulk of the shopping is done, uh, either e-commerce or in traditional trade. And by traditional trade, it is the mom and pop convenience stores uh, that have a very small square footage, who doesn't have that much shelf space. So the marketing is not based on aisle uh, reinvention or shopability. It is more based on relationship with those mom and pop owners, and how do we get inventory on the sh- on in the stores without taking too much space? Mm-hmm. So, the traditional marketing challenges on how do we drive awareness, trial, and repeat uh, would be different in these channels. Uh, the packaging uh, type that we use would be different because, in a traditional trade, they may not have space to sh- have a 16 ounce bottle. The space, all the space they may have is to have a sachet, a clip strip of 12 sachets. Mm-hmm and that may be the driver for trials as well as for frequency uh and that will also probably dictate the price point and in turn uh determines uh, the volume potential in these markets
1: so if you're if you're um working with a company and, and they're kind of coming to you for advice and saying hey we're looking at expanding into into india or into china and that what are some of the the key things that you would say hey make sure you get this right uh, before you even think about going into those markets?
2: Um, the first thing that I would uh, say is know who your target consumer is and what the size of that target consumer is in these markets. Um, so, for example, um, are we targeting the high-income premium consumer? Or are we try, trying to target the masses? And getting that clear is a must. Uh, and second in terms of the target consumer application is the target market. So where does this target consumer live? Is it rural? Is it urban? Are there select cities that we want to focus on? Mm -hmm. Um, Because depending on the brand presence, we need to be choiceful of which markets to go in, like we did in China and India. Number three is designing to the channel that this particular shopper purchases in. So are they going to purchase in the traditional trade, uh, like convenience stores, Or in modern trade, and making sure that the product proposition and the marketing bundle is suited to shop in that particular channel is an absolute must. And last uh, but not least is the financial metrics. Mm -hmm. Um, In order to get into uh, these markets, the purchase hurdle is pretty low, so we have to be cognizant of what goes into the product and what the cost and uh, financial uh, viability of these uh, initiatives would be.
0: It's one thing to innovate a product and an entirely different thing to innovate a business model. Brian and Santi changed their focus in their conversation to talk about that challenge of innovating a business model for a company that delivers in a very traditional sphere, such as chocolate, and how this challenge gets even more complex when working in an emerging market.
2: So... Benefit that we have when we go into these markets is we're starting, we're building from the ground up. So, the business model that we have often defined is based on the channel that we operate in. So, for example, uh, in China, I'll take the case of China. Um, when we are launching Syrup, we decided that we will not go into the traditional trade or modern trade, but we will leverage food service as the channel to drive growth for Syrup. Hmm. Uh, because consumers are first looking at what happens in KFCs and the the Pizza Hut's of the world. Unlike the U.S., those are channels that are highly thought of by the younger consumer. And that was a way to get entry into the market and uh, drive top line Uh, growth. Versus in India um, and Mexico, Uh, We were focused more on modern trade um, and targeting the uh, high-end consumer and leveraging schools as a target to drive trial. So uh, it is a different business model than in the U.S., but uh, starting small uh, is a great way to test and learn uh, these principles and then building scale from there.
1: Excellent. Well, the, the last kind of topic I want to talk about is uh, again. You're speaking at the back end of Innovation Conference coming up here in uh, a couple of weeks in October. Uh, is there any kind of preview you could give our audience about what you're going to be talking about, or some of the things they should expect to learn from from your speech?
2: I'm excited to come to the back end of uh, Innovation Conference, and uh, I'll be sharing more about uh, these details, especially around the commercialization of. Uh, how to take it to market uh, once you have a product and how to design uh, the product suitable for these markets. And most importantly, uh, addressing the cultural dynamics and team dynamics uh, aspect of working from the center and influencing the team locally and driving ownership for the products and processes that we launch.
0: That wraps up another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for listening. You can find Santi's contact information and the link for back end of innovation registration in the show notes. Contact us at insideoutside.io or at the IO podcast on Twitter. Have a great week and as always, go out and innovate.